Lord, we're so grateful for your faithfulness this morning to always be with us, even when we walk away, Lord, but you're right there when we come back. And Lord, we're just so grateful for the things that you've done, the things that you did at the Ladies Retreat, and we're so grateful that you don't want it to end there, Lord, that you want your power to move through this church today. And we come expectant to see you move and to see miracles in our midst, Lord.
Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of His Holy Spirit. Amen.
But your perfect grace has brought me to this place. Because of you, I freely live my life to you.
with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. All right, the army of the Lord assembles. <laughs> Pray with me as we bless these young people as they go off to Sunday school. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the children that you've put in our life. We ask, Lord, that you would continually watch over them and keep them, strengthen them, fill them up with your courage, wisdom, and strength. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. You kids are very far away. <laughs> All right, run away. <laughs> I 
This morning's first reading is Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 14. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning's psalm is Psalm 68, verse 14 through 21. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow in Zalman. Why do you fume with envy, you mountains of many peaks? This is the mountain which God desires to dwell in. Yes, the Lord will dwell in it forever. The chariots of God are twenty thousand, even thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them as in Sinai, in the holy place. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men. Even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Blessed be the Lord, who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Our God is the God of salvation, and to God the Lord belongs saves from death. Glory be to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As it was in the This morning's New Testament reading comes from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemy, but on your part he is glorified. 
But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. St. John chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to the Lord Christ.
pray that even as um, you reach out to us, that we would be open to the words you wish to speak, that you change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So it's always fun to begin uh, service uh, after the ladies' retreat, and I'll tell you why. Because I just get so pumped up when I hear how God moves when I'm not around. And what I mean by that is it's so helpful to remember that things that you've been praying for, things that you've been hoping for, God is doing those things even without your help. He is actually working on those things. And I just... I'm so blessed by the wonderful women of our church. I don't think that there's a church that has better women than ours. I look around and I see people like my mom, Katie, Kristen, Debbie, my wife, all these people who help to put on these events. And I'm just in awe of their humility. I'm in awe of how much work that they put into these things. And from Haley's reports and other people I've talked to, it was just an awesome retreat. So welcome back. And uh, I know that you talked about abide this retreat. Well, we're talking about when Jesus left. So things are a little weird here. But I hope by the end of this sermon, you'll realize that actually the ascension when Jesus left was actually the secret and the key to our abiding with him and him abiding with us. So keep that in mind as we go through this message. We're just going to talk actually about this series that we're going to be launching into. It's called The Acts of the Apostles. Really original name, came up with it myself, uh, right out of the Bible. We're going to be talking over the next few weeks about what God did after Holy Week. If you remember a few weeks ago and during Lent, we were walking through what Jesus did when he was equipping his followers and challenging Uh, the world powers of his time, the religious leaders and the rulers, he was establishing his kingdom on earth. So what did that look like after he left? Right? What did that look like when he handed the kingdom of God to a bunch of men? Eleven men. Flawed, broken men. He said, okay, now you go and do it. Well, I'll give you a hint. There's a reason we're here today. And it's because those 11 men, and we'll see that in the Acts of the Apostles as they gather the church and they shape the church, were guided by Jesus to build the organization to beat all organizations. The church has outlasted every country, every political group, every society in the history of the world. They come and go. So what did they do differently? That's what we're going to be talking about. Because although you can trace our ancestry, and we've done it many times, 
We came from a Pentecostal holiness movement. We came from charismatic, non-denominational circles. We were influenced by the evangelicals. We were influenced by the Roman Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, the Orthodox Church. You can talk about all that. But ultimately, the Christian church is found in the Acts of the Apostles. And so as we talk through this thing, I hope that you hear not just a history lesson of what happened 2,000 years ago, but I hope every time we talk about the Acts of the Apostles, we say, how can we be the church that conquered the world? Because they truly did. They've seen the fall of empires. There's billions of Christians around the world and throughout history. The ideas of Christianity have shaped every major movement in the history of the world since that time. And so we're going to talk about how we can get back to being. I love when we get back to being something, right? But uh, we're going to talk about how we can be the church of Acts in the modern day. So my analogy that I have here is imagine that you have the best sports team in all of history. Now, everybody's going to have a different answer. Think of it, right? You know, and a lot of you are going to be like, I really don't care. But if you care about sports, you probably have an answer to who the best sports team in history was. Maybe it was the 1993 Dallas Cowboys. Maybe it was the 1995 Dallas Cowboys. Maybe it was the 1977 Dallas Cowboys. Who knows what you might be thinking of when you think of the best sports team in history. But I will say that you can imagine this. We're building a team based on the best sports team in history when we look at the Acts of the Apostles. We're building a church based on what the church did to transform the world. And not only that, but they were up against some heavy hitters, right? That's one of the things you do when you're comparing sports teams. Who did they play? Who did they beat? How were they good? Well, these people beat the Roman Empire that would literally burn them at the stake, feed them to lions, and crucify them. What was different about them? And it all starts with Jesus' ascension. And so we're going to start there. We're going to jump in. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. So when they had come together, these followers of Christ, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So I'll start here. They still didn't get what Jesus' picture of the church was. What's this question? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still wrestling with this idea that they've had that the goal was to make Israel the superpower of the world. And God is still going to work that stuff out. I just want you to know they're just as flawed today as they were a couple months ago when they abandoned Jesus on the cross. He's been healing them. He's been equipping them. But they aren't super geniuses who just know everything that's happening, right? They actually have to follow Jesus. And then when you see here, too... I think that's a trap we can all fall into as well. When you're talking about the kingdom of God, and you're talking about God's purposes in your life, remember to not fall into the trap of thinking you know what God needs to do to bring his kingdom to earth in your life. What he needs to do is he needs to get me that job that I've been working for, or he needs to get me that car, 
or he needs to heal that person, or he needs to reveal himself in my finances, right? God, reveal yourself in my finances, please. We have all these things that we put on God's plan. Let's remember what our plan is. Or sorry, let's put aside our plan and let's remember that we are following his plan, right? And so when we see Jesus' response here, he just says, okay, great. I love your passion, right? I can almost hear these thoughts. He doesn't actually say this, but he's like, I love your passion for the purposes of God, the restoration of Israel. And he just very gently says, well, okay, God knows when that's happening. It's not for you to know. And then he tells them what the real mission is. He completely redirects them, right? He doesn't say, you idiots, why don't you understand this? He says, look, that's in God's hands. You can trust him with it. But let me show you what our real goal is going to be. Our real goal is that you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, number one. And number two, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. And to this day, that is our mission as the church. To receive the power of the Holy Spirit, to be witnesses of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Amen? And so when we talk about this, Acts is actually documenting. Luke is a great historian, right? He lays it out very clearly for you. I'm going to show you how the gospel spread from Jerusalem to Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. That's the whole book of Acts summarized. And how did it spread? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So how is our church going to grow? How is the kingdom of God going to spread today? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Verse 9, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of, the, out of their sight. I just have to pause here. I hope you guys can see this uh, picture of Jesus skating into heaven. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's such a beautiful painting, but his pose is like, I'm skating now into the ether, into the world, right? I hope that's what it looked like. It's so great. <laughs> but it, it, <laughs> I couldn't help but use it. There's this idea, though, that we have about Jesus that puts him in this weird, super-powered place where he's like this angelic creature skating into the future, into paradise. That is not what we're talking about today. We're talking about the ascension of God. It is different. So let's get to the end of this, and I'll tell you what it's more like. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus was taken up from you into heaven, will come the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let me talk about the ascension real quick. There's the skating into paradise, disappearing in the clouds, or there's an idea of Jesus that makes him more present. He has entered into the heavenly reality in a way that makes him now eternally present everywhere. So what does this mean? Well, one illustration is this idea of a two-dimensional circle on a page. If you were to take that two-dimensional circle and turn it into a sphere, it would disappear from the two-dimensional plane. But it wouldn't be less of a circle. It would be far more. In the same way as Jesus entered into heaven, he didn't become less of who he was. He didn't become less present. He actually became far more present and realized. It's just an analogy. But the idea of Jesus going into heaven is that he is now present in each of us. 
In fact, we practice that every service. When I walk around with a thurible and I bow to everyone, I'm bowing not just to you. You guys are great. Love you. But I'm bowing to Christ in you. Right? And so when Jesus ascended into heaven, that is a metaphor. It's also a reality, but it's also a metaphor for he has now reached the highest place. He is in the highest place of authority. But it's not like he actually physically went to space. Right? It's not like that. He has now transcended space and time. That's why when you pray to Jesus, he hears you. You know when he was on earth, if somebody hundreds of miles away said, Jesus, help me, God heard him, but Jesus didn't. Jesus was in a place, in a body. He took on the limitations of our physical existence. And do you know what's even cooler about the ascension? He took those limitations into that transcendent reality with him. You may have heard that Jesus bears the scars on his body, even as he reigns with God over the entirety of creation. In this existence that we can't even conceptualize, he bears the scars, the wounds. What does that mean? That means even your woundedness can be transfigured and transformed and transcended as it's embraced by the loving, healing, creator God who made you. There is nothing you bear that God cannot embrace and heal and resurrect and transform. And so the ascension is about God, Jesus, being present with us. Now that he's in this spiritual reality, he can be present. He's transcended space and time. But it's also us being present with him. We sang that in our song today, right? We are seated in heavenly place with the one who has conquered it all. That's scripture. You may not feel like it when you're changing a baby's diaper in the middle of the night who peed all over his bed, right? You don't feel like it, not talking from experience last night, but you don't feel like it in those moments sometimes. But I'm seated in heavenly places. What does that mean in those moments? That means that I am secure. Though the wind may blow, what can man do to me? I'm seated in heavenly places. Now, it doesn't mean some platonic idea that you are already perfected in the heavens and nothing on this world matters. That's not what it means. He bore his physical body into the transcendent realm and he maintains that because this world matters. Matter matters. And he left us the mission as the church of being the body of Christ in the world. You know, he could just say, your sins are forgiven, let's all go to heaven. Could have just raptured everybody out of existence. He paid the price already. Why are we not in heaven today? Because there's work to be done. There's work to be done. But thank God for the work because the work is the salvation of the whole world. Don't you want to be a part of that? That's the invitation of the church. Yes, it's for your healing, it's for your goodness, it's for your abundance, but it's also because the world needs Christ on earth, represented by us. And so when we talk about the ascension, it's not Jesus leaving, it's actually Jesus making himself present. Amen? And bringing us with him into those heavenly places. So when we talk about this, what is then the mission of the church. How do we do this 
witnessing of Christ. I think we get a hint today in our gospel reading in Jesus' high priestly prayer, as it's called. It's in John 17, beginning at verse 1. And Jesus says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. That's a really cool sounding prayer, Jesus. That's great. Glorify me. It's my time. I have all the authority. Do you guys know when he prayed this prayer? Like hours before he got arrested, betrayed, beaten, and killed. What? I have authority over all flesh. Well, the Roman government, pretty sure they had authority over his flesh as they crucified him. What is the point? Jesus, like all of us, was trusting in the reality that transcends our earthly reality. He was operating from the perspective that we're invited into by his ascension, right? If you're seated in heavenly places then you should look at your life from a heavenly perspective. That doesn't mean you ignore bad things. It means they're transfigured by your hope in Christ. Just like Jesus who went to the cross knowing my Father has a plan, knowing as the lashes beat him to a pulp, knowing as the nails were driven in that all of this was actually his coronation as the king of the world that's faith i have difficulty when i stub my toe it's really hard to keep my tongue under control in that moment but if i know that the sufferings of this present world what did it say in our new testament one of the best lines in all the new testament says don't be shocked when you experience suffering as if it's unexpected People join the church and they say, my life is hard. I joined the church. And it's like, yes, you entered into the way of the cross, the ways of crucifixion and death, but also the ways of resurrection, of life transformed, transfigured. So when we look at the mission of the church, we have to remember that we serve a God who even as he hung on the cross, had declared, I have authority over all flesh. So that means he held himself to the cross, right? Those nails didn't keep him back. He had authority over all flesh. The religious leaders were like, why don't you save yourself? And Jesus goes, because I'm saving you. I'm too busy saving you to save myself from this cross. So that Christ is eternally present with you because of his ascension. And what is the point of this whole program? We get another hint as we continue in this priestly prayer. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We're going to stop right there. What is the point of witnessing to Jesus? It's that everyone on earth who is willing can have eternal life. What is eternal life? That they may know God and know Jesus. Now, if you're me, maybe you hear that and you think, well, I know Jesus. What does that do? What does that do for me? 
And as I was writing this, I just had this thought about what my wife was sharing at the laser tree because she had an opportunity to share and she talked a lot about how not knowing her earthly father really warped her vision of herself because her biological father had abandoned her and her family she had felt this identity crisis of epic proportions in her heart and mind what was the point she didn't know her father and when it says that they may know you the only true god and know jesus the point is that you need to know your capital f father your heavenly father if you look at the world you can explain all of the problems i'm going to say all even though it's probably 99.99% right you can explain all the problems with fatherlessness if you look down the list if somebody gave you okay these are the problems we have to solve in america today incarceration rates children going hungry abuse anxiety depression bankruptcy literally you name a condition and it can be statistically linked to fatherlessness in the home every one of them because we are hardwired not just physically but in our spirit and in our soul to understand ourselves in light of where we came from who we came from and so if you grew up with an imperfect father and every one of you did you actually have to learn who you are over the course of your life by getting to know God and Christ Jesus let me talk about it this way and let me just make this point there are not a lot of motherless homes but they are equally as wrecked when a mother abandons her children now the epidemic today is fatherlessness because mothers often don't abandon their kids What's going on here? God created the family as the revelation of his love for us. In fact, we're told the the husband and the wife, that love that they have is a picture of how Christ loves the church. And the whole system that God set up, what's Bishop Kessler's favorite line? The system works. The whole system that God set up is that a man would leave his mother and father and be joined with his wife and they would be one flesh picturing the love of God to the world. That's the job of a husband and wife. And then they raise their kids so that they may know the love of their father. They raise their kids so that they may know the love of Jesus in their life. And then their kids grew up and the man leaves his mother and father and he marries a woman and they become one flesh and they image the love of Christ to their kids and to the world. That's the ideal system that God has set up. But we're broken and we're fallen. And so even if you did have a father, you may be thinking to yourself, well, he didn't seem a lot like God. <laughs> Go figure. But that's why we get this Jesus guy, right? because the journey as it's built in the church is that you raise your kids in the way that you should go. And when you fail, because you will, you trust God to teach them, to heal them, to bring them through. Now, the kind of picture that I have is that you raise them and then they become teenagers and they rebel, right? 
And this is not because God has destined them to rebel. But it's because there's a God-given need in their life to start to understand their relationship to God and Jesus so that when it's time for them to leave their father and mother and be married, they can live not under the authority and the revelation of their parents, but they can actually live under the authority the revelation of God. Now, there's one piece in this image that's missing here. The church. The church is the steward of God's authority and identity on earth. And so, even if you are fatherless or you have a broken household, what are we called to do as the church? We're called to image the love of Christ to the world. All of this to say that it's no surprise that we have the LGBTQIU, ABC identity crisis. It's no surprise that we have the rise of many people, more than ever in the history of the world, identifying as a nun. Okay, not N-U-N. N-O-N-E. What does that mean? What's your religious affiliation? None. If you think fatherlessness in the physical causes an identity crisis, imagine an entire generation of people saying, I have no understanding of God whatsoever in my life. What am I getting at here? When we look at the church and we look at the structure that God has given us to understand our identity, to understand how to image Christ's love to the church, to understand how to witness to eternal life, it's all about knowing God and knowing Jesus. Everything I've said here is about the fact that we are hardwired to live our identity out based on what we know about who we come from, where we come from. And if you come from apes and your dad abandoned you when you were a baby and your mom had to struggle by that entire time trying to raise you, well, it's no wonder you're angry at the world and you don't know who you are. It's no wonder. Or if you were raised in a great Christian household and your parents are perfect, like Ed and Mia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not perfect, but you have these great Christian parents, and then you enter into that phase where you have to start making decisions for yourself, and you don't know what to do. Maybe it's because you need to run to God as well. The whole point of your parents is that they are stewards of their kids. Did you know, as a parent, your kids don't belong to you? They belong to God. What a humbling revelation. I have to remind myself that frequently because if they belong to me, <laughs> the point I'm trying to make here is that there's a process in each of our hearts and lives where we have to know God and know Jesus. And I'm taking all this time because Jesus said to know God and to know him is eternal life. I want to live a long time. But more than that, I want to be a part of the eternal life. God set up his kingdom on earth with this image. Christ came. He established his church. He paid the price. He won the victory. And then he handed the ball to us. And he said, I'm going to ascend, but I will never leave you. And not only that, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to guide you. And what you're going to do is you're going to invite people into this relationship that they may know me and know my Father. That will set them free. That will establish their identity, and that will change the world. 
And that simple idea, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the knowledge of God and His love, that simple idea has changed the world. We are all here because of that simple idea. And as we go through this series on the Acts of the Apostles, we're going to flesh out what does that look like. If you are a person who knows God, who knows your Heavenly Father, how do you live? Who are you? What do you look like? Because that's what we see in the Acts of the Apostles. How they respond is born out of relationship with God and Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit. As we end today, I just want everyone to take a moment to realize that this Jesus who died on the cross, who healed the sick, who raised the dead, is with you. That Ascension Sunday is not about him leaving, but about him being eternally present in every situation. And so as you struggle through your life and you encounter these things that you struggle with your identity, who am I, how am I going to respond to this, look to Jesus. Look to your Father and live life from that identity. Not from all the things the world tries to put on you, not from all the things that you have in your head, not from the things the enemy tries to convince you of, but from a knowledge that you are so loved, that you are so loved that he died rose and has welcomed you into his family. Amen? Amen. You may stand. The Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before our world, God of God, light of light, very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, in whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man. And was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven. And is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Therefore, let us bring our needs and those of the whole world before God's throne. That the church will be faithful in proclaiming that there is now peace with God through the life, death, resurrection, and glorification of His Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, in Your mercy. That the prayer of Jesus, that we, the people of God, may be one, just as He and the Father are one, may be answered in our lifetime. Lord, in your mercy, 
that those who serve society politically and judicially will administer justice and mercy, especially to the poor and the powerless. Lord, in your mercy, that our eyes will be opened and our understanding enlightened and our hearts softened, that we may comprehend the scriptures and do what they say. Lord, in your mercy, that fathers and mothers will receive the grace to instruct their children in the ways of the Lord and be living examples for them. Lord, in your mercy, that the poor, the helpless, the sick, and the dying will not be abandoned. Lord, in your mercy, that we will be faithful witnesses of Christ, making the most of every opportunity. Lord, in your mercy. that we do. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbors with the peace of the Lord. Peace, neighbor. Peace, neighbor. <laughs> Whoa. I'm throwing that at you, buddy. <laughs> He's out. Okay. Uh, there's just uh, men's meetings all. Right? I don't know if they have graduates list up yet, but we need to. <laughs> the Lord be with you. Great, great ladies retreat. I appreciate all those ladies that went. Uh, I've heard only great reports back, so glad I'm they all grateful. made it back. Ted, glad they all made it back. I'm glad they all made it back. Yes, and amen. Amen. <laughs> I got a great picture of all my girls, Mia, and and holding up little baby Margot. I mean, that was a great picture. We we'll have to frame that one. <laughs> amen. Yeah. So it's great having the lovely Debbie Tanner here from. Michigan, our church out there with Father Ken. Glad to have you here. Uh, hope you enjoyed the retreat. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, if you are nodding yes, and I'm thinking, yeah, it's a bad time to say no. <laughs> so uh, next week, Saturday, is our men's meeting. Yes. My, my son recorded corrected me. He goes, you mean men's work day, Dad? I said, well, of course. That's yes. what men do when they meet. So That's what we do. That's the code. Next Saturday at 8 a.m. Working come. and fighting. We have some things <laughs> to do. Uh, it shouldn't be an all-day thing, yeah. but uh, anyway, I hope That'll to see good. you there and come for a men's. We are entering into graduation season, and I don't know that we have our list up yet, but uh, uh, if you're graduating or have graduated, I know there's a few out there that I'm aware of. I want to make sure we have our whole list. So let me know or let my daughter Katie know. Uh, she keeps the list. So uh, we want to congratulate flashing. everyone. Something keeps flashing up there on the screen. Yes, it's a June Jubilee. There's a name for this. Okay. <laughs> we, want, we are planning and we will have on Friday, June 23rd, a, an opportunity for us to appreciate all of the teachers at St. Michael's Christian Academy, a time to, um, for the alumni to come together and celebrate, mm -hmm. and for us to appreciate the teachers. And Debbie, my wife, is the, like the guest of honor uh, as 
As many of you know, I don't know if all of you know, but she has been a teacher at St. Michael's Christian Academy for 30 years, and at the end of this school year, she will be no longer in the classroom. So I don't know where, there she is, she's hiding back there. So um, so we are having a, a, a jubilee, an exciting time. So put that date on your calendar. I hope to see all of you there. Amen. Anything mm-hmm. else? All right, we're good. As we prepare to, sell, to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through, through Christ, Christ, let, let us, us continually, continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
the table of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love Him and for those who want to love Him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come because it is the Lord who invites you. It is His will that those who want Him should meet Him here. Come to the table. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. We praise you with greater joy than ever in this Easter season when Christ became our paschal sacrifice. He is the true Lamb who took away the sins of the world. By dying, he destroyed death. By rising, he restored our life. And so with all the choirs of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise. Spirit, come upon these gifts and make them holy, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread. He gave you thanks. He broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. 
When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, our Bishop Douglas, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Susan, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Liliana, Sherry, Jonathan, Alfred, Jerry, Bob, Nick, Sandy, the House family, the Rodney Harris family, the House family, the Marines and Sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. You can add the names of the people you're praying for. Draw hearts to remember the poor and broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ of the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have the courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the peace. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to his supper. This is the mind of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of our Lord and Savior.
Graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. As you go out from this place, always remember the gospel, that God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself and not counting your sins against you. God loves you, God has forgiven you, God is not mad at you, and God will never leave you nor forsake you. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen.
Yeah.